0: Do we do an intro for Damien? He's here. We'll
1: do an intro. And he's been
0: on the podcast like more than a dozen times. Yeah, I think
1: you're probably, you must be the most appearing guest. Yeah, I I think. Still. I think I'm the original member of the
2: Black Coffee Brigade, even yes. though I put milk in my coffee. I also so had I, some
1: milk in my coffee. Yeah. I think you're the only one who has... I did it black. Yeah, but sometimes you don't, right?
2: Well, maybe if <laughs> Duff McKagan and Wade McNeil were here, they would drink black coffee, too.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot the Black Coffee Brigade somehow has people in it who I've never met and probably would never be allowed to be. <laughs> well, okay, so I'm let's I'm only just-
2: allowed to meet Duff when he's with Danko. <laughs> that's, that's really... He's like, uh, uh, is Danko with you? Oh, yeah, the phone's breaking up. <laughs>
1: Well, you know his, okay, okay. his real is? first name is Dunphy. Dun Dunfield.
2: <laughs> well, let, let's go to the Dunfield. intro. Let's go
1: to the intro. Dunfield McKeg. The tackle dog fuck I said the miss around the bit. I get his tackle go up to free. I just I'm from fuck down. Stop playing. Hey, go!
0: Hey, we're here. Damien, it's good for you to be back on after what is it? 2 years?
2: It's been t- it's been a 2 no years extended
1: absence. Jesus Christ. Well, Apologies. we've had very few ones where I've been around. Uh, That's for various reasons. Yeah, More there there than like one.
2: <laughs> there was a, very, <laughs> there was a uh, an issue that was addressed <laughs> between the two of you,
1: and now we've moved on. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we beefed. You beefed. We had we, a, a we bit beefed. of a beef. <laughs> it was a little bit like when E40 confronted Notorious B.I.G. in... Uh, in San Francisco (laughs) uh, with guns drawn uh, (laughs) a bit like that
2: when there's beefs in wrestling podcasts they normally get covered in other media sources so I feel we need another media source to cover the beefs that happen in the music podcast world well doesn't
1: uh, you know this podcast gets written up a lot on like is it metalsucks.com or one of those yeah and uh, Brave Worlds yeah Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles formerly that's what it was called Brave Words bloody knuckles so they've got to write B-W-B-K. about they've got to write about our uh beefs which are generally uh resolved um through non-violence but and it was a year was it a year it was yeah. a year it know. was a
2: it was a year it was like
1: 11 months wow
2: yeah that's a long time yeah but that's like but now there's a new beef in toronto my new favorite beef in toronto oh boy the Run D M C Aerosmith esque beef between Danko Jones and Sloan,
1: as you guys
2: are trying to write a new record. As they're trying We're to Sloan rec- and Danko <laughs> fighting right now. Is that true? In a practice phase.
1: Oh, you, do you this, share a space? I don't
2: feel this is going to wind up on the cutting room floor, so maybe we uh, yeah, should move I'm on immediately. Of... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just want to say that, like, I like Patrick's Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: I, I still uh, think Andrew Scotts. The best line I heard from it the whole time, though, has been, uh, Chris texted you, I believe, is the story I heard being like, hey, when are you guys going to be done? Sounds he texts great. He JC, then yeah. he texts me. Uh, no, yeah. but he said it was you, because then your line back to him was... That was JC. It's not, it's not Carnegie... Or, sorry, it's not Abbey Road, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he texted him that? Yeah, yeah, that's no, that's so JC. Funny. That's JC. Oh, he said he said <laughs> you, so that's why I was like, that's the no, best no, line. No, no,
0: no, I can't take credit for that one. Uh... No, he's texting with JC. Like, JC's the one who's getting Chris's texts. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say that, like, now you've got me in a corner here. I just want to say that I love um, One Chord to Another. <laughs> it's a great album. Between the... And, I've, I, and oh, Andrew I just... Scott is a really cool dude. <laughs> he's really cool.
2: No, I, I'm hoping this leads to a Run DMC Aerosmith esque conclusion. <laughs> Where you guys burst through the walls and do a song together, but it would be Patrick in our space. <laughs> no,
0: okay. Anyways, so,
1: so wait, did Run DMC and Aerosmith ever actually have beef?
2: Ah, uh, well, there's that story where they like they showed up for a recording session uh-huh. and they were like they're mixing the record and they're they're like, okay, so when do we do shit? And they're like, oh, we don't need you guys. Like,
0: oh, oh Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we're we're just gonna
2: sample this, and, and Aerosmith was like all bummed out. But I don't know if that was a beef. I got yeah. my life threatened because of my podcast this year A pub po- wrestling? No, no, like a guy threatened to kill me Because a guest talked about him on the air
1: Oh no, I yep. mean do you want I do you, Can you get into it further?
2: Well no, because every time I mention this dude's name Someone finds it and sends it to him And then I have to hear about it So <laughs> after
0: like, the it,
1: podcast We won't talk about and it And
0: can I say that I almost Got myself into a lot of hot water uh, Earlier this year um, slipping myself in the middle of a beef, and Damien,
2: the firefighter, saved. Well, what my was ass. the beef? Oh, I can't.
0: Say, I can't
2: name oh. names. But, no. it, but it, it is an historic beef that uh, would have had a, a, a new player introduced on the field. A- whoa,
0: whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, that's getting no, cut. No, it <laughs> <laughs> that is, is a super ee! cut. I'm a smart guy. I'm a smart guy. I got intuition. <laughs> I know mean,
0: Damien stuff. basically saved me from a lot of headaches. And, you know, me being very high-strung, naturally, mm. I fuss over the smallest stuff. And this isn't small at all.
2: So... I would have had a nervous breakdown. Basically. Put it this way. You're choking on a piece of food, and I'm around, you're fucked. You're, 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 you can't breathe, and I'm around, you might be fucked. You know, you're know, you bleeding to death, I'm around, you might be fucked. But if you're about to insert yourself in a legendary music <laughs> beef, and I'm around, right. you you're are okay. my You are my <laughs>
1: saving angel. <laughs> I have refrained from a lot of things like that. You? What are you talking it. about?
2: You guys were like, "This is where I learned
1: beef." Well, from. yes, but I think that's Holy why shit. I even had a beef with a couple of your outfits. Yes, <laughs> yeah. over the years. <laughs> but I'm just Holy saying fuck. because that happened early on, you know. Then now it's all smiles and rainbows and ignoring people's pain or or issues and just... There was
0: one time that some writer who is a friend of Nick's wrote some seriously questionable shit about my race in a magazine that's very popular... (laughs) <laughs> and I confronted him at the Elma Combo. No, no, I didn't even confront I him. I brought you together. Nick <laughs> brought us together and he thought it was it would be hilarious if we met. And then oh when we God. met, he walked away and left his friend in front of me, and I, I just basically yelled
1: at him. Don't you think that that was uh, the right thing to do in a way? <laughs> well, that,
2: that's a very. <laughs> that, that was hilarious. That's a very 2017 happening on the internet response to yeah, what's happening. Exactly. I was way ahead of the time. It, it's an yeah. IRL. That's, I mean, if you
1: want to talk throwing under the bus, I probably shouldn't even say this. But I was reminded of crazy things that had even happened within an old band of mine that were, were where I actually was a little bit of a good guy, which was like, I was like, oh. Well, I guess that's nice. I at least tried to make things okay. You, I saw a show that Nick did at the Alma Combo. <laughs> he dressed up like Robin
0: Black yeah. <laughs> in front of Robin Black. Right. In front of him. And I was watching it, and I thought it was hilarious. And Robin Black asked me if he, Nick was making fun of him. And I just shrugged my shoulders and I said, "I
2: don't know." I've told Nick about this. How lucky he is because Robin can kill oh, yeah. you. Kick my ass. you would have
1: gone on stage and done a roundhouse kick, and your head would have gone flying off. But yeah. I don't know if that would have been good for his life. I mean, I will I, say I'm glad he didn't ruin his life. I'll tell you because one goading him. Well, I'll tell you one thing: <laughs> if I had found out back in the day that Robin Black was a
2: legit shoot fighter. I would have been much more of a Robin Black fan. I know it would have
1: kind of changed things, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh would my like, god! Bro, well, yes. he's like this hairdresser and like a great fighter, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I mean, you know, that's uh, I definitely I don't to say I regret it is not quite true is like. I sort of wish we could all brutally roast each other, and it would be fine. <laughs> like that's like that's the, a great idea for a podcast. <laughs> oh, I'd love to the, do that on the this brutal roast, like a roast.
2: Flanny's Roasters. We the problem roast is roast each culture
1: each has become so horrific because of comedians. Like mm. in in yeah. LA, you know, there's a whole roast battle show, and yeah, it's not the same. You know, I mean, when it, they brought it back, it was
0: actually quite fun, but now yeah. it's really.
1: Um, but but yeah, Robin Mark. Black. It's it is funny seeing him now because he goes on Joe Rogan like occasionally. Yeah, He's I'm like not fucking him. with that dude. He's or Joe Rogan. I'm and not fucking with him. Whatever wrong. he says, that is the. I'm not fucking with Joe agreeing. Rogan. But I'm like, why is Joe Rogan? Why did he have like six months of having like all the same type of person on? Okay, it was
0: like I don't uh, want to start another beat. I don't want to beat with <laughs> Joe Rogan. Are <laughs> you doing this, Joe? I'll tell you. Joe. I will tell you one thing. Why? News radio. <laughs> Joe. Top ten TV Why? show ever. Can I say that too? I oh, agree
1: with you. And Rogan was the standard. He was fucking amazing on that amazing. show. amazing. I mean, he was good on that show. He was funny? He was like definitely the uh, what's it? The Matt LeBlanc of the crew. You know, I would say he's the Woody Harrelson of the crew. <laughs> he, like Matt, Matt, who, Matt LeBlanc was the Woody Harrelson. Yeah, but of like the Matt crew.
2: LeBlanc hasn't evolved into that much of an interesting person. Yo,
1: like I'm like I'm not talking <laughs> shit on
2: Matt LeBlanc. Oh hey.
1: Like, but like he had that show where he's like, I'm Matt LeBlanc. Joey, right? No, Bullets, or something, whatever. Oh, yeah, that, con- that one with yeah. the British writers. Honestly, yes, I
0: get the two mixed up. Joe Rogan and Matt LeBlanc kind of look similar but to like, me. But,
2: but I'm saying, like, Joe Rogan, like... Like like Woody Harrelson, if you were a fan back then, who would guess that this goofy comic relief right. character on the sitcom would wind up being
1: one of the more fascinating media figures, being like, the voice yep. of libertarianism and and, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, and and contrarian what ifs? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't, I don't think It's, it's all a good things. I do wish
2: that Joe Rogan was the old news radio Joe Rogan.
1: <laughs> I, who knew that the Joe, that the man who was on news radio, would sort of be part of the. The pool not that right. created such well. confusing feelings among the American public that uh, that uh, the, there was a danger of the country collapsing, that he would be a, a small... I not give him that much credit. And he no, also, no. Got, and he also no. uh, made the pocket
2: badge really popular, right? Isn't yeah. that what it's called? And pocket uh,
1: pussy? The, 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 is it? The, that that uh, fleshlight. Yeah, yeah, flashlight That's what it's called. Fleshlight. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's done a lot for our the, culture. I really think the fleshlight would have probably done well either way. But no, I actually do like I'm not even trying to slam Joe Rogan. Do you think I it just, would have done as well if it was Mark Maron hawking it? Yeah, I feel like he. There, there probably is like a WTF. I think Marin's fault. Uh, pe- the people. There are two who different listen, audiences. The people who listen to WTF. A lot of WTF. depressives who are like, yeah, that's "Oh true, yeah, true." A lot of chronic I mean, masturbators. I I think any podcast that has anything that can give any level of pleasure on sale will that will appeal because it's just like those. It's people who are like, you know, what makes me happy? Listening to two people talk <laughs> who I don't know, <laughs> yeah. for three hours. And this is I, okay. So let's just go over what's happening. What are you part. roasting the audience? We've now, like, almost named. Like... We've almost named a lot of people who would get mad at us for naming them. Um, I I've insulted Joe Rogan into a beef and now Robin I just incu- insulted Rogan. anyone who listens to podcasts. No, Robin so. Black is someone that I
2: actually like, and I've now gone back and I've listened to Robin Black and the Intergalactic Rockstars, and I'm like, I I dismissed this band out of hand too easily. No, there are like tracks on there where I'm like. A dude who is a shoot fighter singing these songs might be one of my top 10 Canadian band moments ever. I We had beef with the the intergalactic
0: rock stars back in the day. I don't know if we still have beef, but what I'm saying is, if we do have beef, I'm
1: running away. I'm
0: no, I think, I think it's all squash now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, like, I'm not going to face that I mean, that it was
1: guy. one of those things where, you know, and this is a very classic thing in the Canadian beef industry, is... Uh, <laughs> Like nobody is really that bad. <laughs> no, there are, there, are that people, there are some people you don't want to bring up. There are some people who are that bad, but a, a lot of it is like the people <laughs> in the practice space over. Yes. <laughs> you know, or like. Too no too noisy, <laughs> or you know you don't like the cut of their jib, and then it's like ah screw that guy. It's like <laughs> or or they, when, <laughs> went, they went to school like near you, or whatever or you know? When some cocky writer
2: for a local free weekly decides to write up the fact that you had beef with Billy Talent and start a, uh, a whole <laughs> war out of that.
1: Well, look, that's not my fault. That's uh I got what? a good quote. You're,
2: you're in that? You're he started in it. That?
1: He started it. You started that thing, Nick? Yeah, I did, I think, because but it was because
0: uh it was You uh, know that bled over to me. That's why I didn't go up to I didn't approach Damien.
1: And I was shocked when he approached me. I mean, you know like arguably this falls at the feet of the bovine <laughs> And this should really just be Like sort of This really should have been a fucked up bovine beef I mean There should, should be so much more beef with the bovine Than really there is and No Daryl has been gonna,
2: responsible for being the host venue For two of the best episodes of Turnout a Punk
1: I know Daryl Like the bovine has been great you Fat know? Mike it's, and,
2: and Joe Biafra were both interviewed in Daryl's living room The
1: bovine Oh that's cool Yeah like Daryl's employed me before like he's uh you know i, I have no beef yeah with i don't actually have any ma- anger with the bovine i know we have to like basically this out. They're gonna, like, <laughs> body check us right <laughs> aren't they all like body check type of people who like, <laughs> like so you couldn't address the bovine because you know they're a mean hockey team group of people <laughs> and uh and uh and so billy talent got and i asked you for a quote it I, was mike uh, who gave you the yeah, quote yeah i asked mike for a quote I didn't – he could have said anything he wanted and he said what he said, you know. And so I, I, I'm not responsible for people's quotes. And actually my uh, beef maker – it's not peacemaker thing goes way back um, to – and I, again, this is like Toronto stuff. This is probably what happens all the time uh, But um, on this podcast. So who knows how interesting this is to everyone. But when I had a zine when I was 13 <laughs> – Holy shit, Nick. Now Uh, it sounds like turned out a punk. (laughs) Now it sounds like turned out a punk. Well, I need a sec. Where's my second app, bro? We're going to do a second app. I mean, you have a lot of people. Maybe if someone had picked up and moved to Los Angeles, they would be on a lot more podcasts. Picked up is, uh, I don't know if that's kind of too positive a way of putting it. um, So when I was 13, my friend and I had a a zine called Free, and we interviewed uh, the sort of pro, not. Brandon Canning's old band, Head, uh, that Noah Mintz was also in, and Noah said in the interview, fuck this local guy. You know, he's a piece of shit. (laughs) So we uh, somehow printed this in our zine, and somehow it wound up in, like, iWeekly that there was this beef. So even then, we, like, stoked the fires of the aggression between these people. But, I mean, I've been a lot better about that, you know, since... uh, I don't know, yesterday or I, today.
2: I had a friend in high school who stalked no mints. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. wow. Like, in retrospect now, looking at it as an adult, like I'm like, oh, that was stalking behavior.
1: Right, right. Well, um, that was like zines. Having a zine was basically like being like, oh, I'm a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm an obsessive stalker. And I'm yeah, but now, I want now, to document. But now it. you'd be
2: like, I'm a journalist. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Those are the well also they'd be
1: like, I don't really do zines. I just like, you know, tweet or whatever do a newsletter. <laughs> I do social media. Yeah. Um Did you do a zine? I can never remember. I
2: did one that never came out mm. that was uh used to get backstage passes to concerts that we were already at. Which is usually why people start zines. Yeah, of course. Really?
1: Like you want to meet the band. It <laughs> you know it's one of the most uh, wanted zines, probably I can think of. And Do you have a copy of this? Uh, the Gre- Greg Greg Turkington, as a teen, made a no. Flipper zine. No, <laughs> a oh my zine god, about Flipper. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> and he uh, interviewed all the members separately, and I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it was just a zine about Flipper. They I mean it was like 14 or 15. I find out a new thing about that guy. Anytime. Like any time, like every time I talk to him or whatever, you know, he's, uh, yeah. But the zine about Flipper would be uh, wow. I want a big deal. And, and he like of... knew Will Shatter when he was a teenager and hung out with Flip. That was like his entry point into, um about, you know, music and stuff. It was in punk, and he was singing. He was he was another guy like was, Allison, like, like Allison Flipper Allison was Baker. Through, yeah, that's there, her. There that's that her gateway was Flipper. For, it was Allison is trying to write Laughing Aina's liner notes right now whoa oh, she's
0: doing those reissues
1: she's trying to write the hard times reissues whoa uh, liner notes and uh uh yeah so so that's exciting to me and I actually re-listened wow to that's really times. cool yeah that's yeah, really cool it's really cool and um I'm really interested in seeing if uh the laugh- Laughing Aina's will kind of get their due again you know because it's uh, it's not like they didn't but it's just you know I was thinking about this,
2: like this is kind of on the same subject, but more about, you know, stuff that people internationally really care about, which is Toronto Minutia. Um, <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> I would love to do, <laughs> uh, I, I would love to do <laughs> a reissue label here. I was talking to you about this. Yeah, yeah you should. Forward. Like yeah. how
1: Berger uh, did some, Burger. some yeah. Bay Area yeah. reissues. Yeah. They, they re- actually reissued his Hello Kitty on Skates band. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, they're seven inch, and, and yeah, stuff like that would be really good. I mean, I was going, I was on Spotify the other week, and I was listening to Demix and Diodes, and I know that's like the that's more well known stuff. Reissued. Yeah, that's been reissued. My but my
0: only problem with your reissue idea, if I was to go in on it yeah. with you, I was thinking after, because I have so many beefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's if you like you wanted to do a band that I ha- sort of had a beef with. There'd have to be a sit down. Yeah. A- yep.
2: Yeah. But this would be a, a ten, great, ten. this would be a great cleansing yeah. process for you to go through too. Yeah, you know, like this would be a chance for. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I, and I'm like, let's be honest, like <laughs> a lot of the people we have beefs with, we're not going to do ratios with their bands anyway, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, okay. Here's well, my. Maybe question. we'll do that
2: killer elite box set. Uh, the killer elite. <laughs> I mean, okay, so that's so what i was
1: saying. The beef's over tomorrow. <laughs> the beef's over tomorrow. Flanzen yeah. and Danko. Yeah, Mike's M- yeah. Mike from we Killer Elite coming. will be there tomorrow. Yeah, that's what he told me too. Yeah. Yeah. but oh, it's but, all coming. But actually, to Mike's credit,
0: I'm not going to throw him under the bus here. But he did come up to me and apologize, cool. and I accepted the apology.
1: So that's great. our beef was squashed years ago. years ago. But anyway, uh, like the problem with the reissue. Idea if there is a problem would be, I mean, are you not? You're not really talking about 80s or 70s bands, you're trying to say 90s reissues, aren't you?
2: I'm, I'm saying like Whatever, the whole way right? through, yeah. yeah. yeah like, yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other, I was, I picked up this record by this band called Swedish Fish, they're from Toronto, mm-hmm. never heard of them. I got their second single yesterday. It sounds like Tallulah gosh it sounds like like Scottish Twee, but it's, it's, it's Canadian, it's awesome. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know what. Well, how do, how do I not know about this record? And I'm just thinking there's so many records like that in every subsect of new music that came out of, out of like the punk explosion like metal, uh obviously metal came before, but like you know thrash metal and stuff like that. There's all yeah. these great bands that aren't reissued. Um there's all these like great demos that are lost. There's mm. all these great things mm. and I think if you had a label like Flying Nun that had existed in Toronto documenting the scene it would have had a label. It would have had a brand. I think there would be more attention on I th- it now. You
1: know, I think there's something to this because it's like there's a slight clan kind of mentality with uh, Toronto gr- uh, bands. So it's like, for instance, the 1990s local punk scene that I sort of stumbled into as one of the first musics I was really into, one of the first scenes I was de- in- going to shows at. They all had demo tapes. None of them had a label they would never have thought about really getting it. They were probably raw energy records was the only place they were really thinking of going. Uh, Maybe a couple, and, and most of them went up on dead on the the road, but some didn't. And a lot of the, and there were a couple of those demo tapes that were so raw that they actually sound pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, so instead of sort of sorting through that and picking out kind of the standout, which would be, what is it? Blunderman. (laughs) Well, like Blunderman, that's a good example because yeah, Blunderman would be of Toronto, a No one knows,
2: them. No one knows them.
1: I go in on that with yeah. you. Blunder- that,
2: that, the demo. I mean, the, the demo's not incredible. even
1: not, not even the the ten inch.
2: The ten, ten-, ten- inch is amazing, but that demo before the ten inch is like.
1: But yeah, oh. I think Blunderman would be the one to sort of you know uh, uh, is a great example of, of something to reissue. Yeah. What
2: about a compilation called "Before the Scene" of all the bands that wanted to become broken social scene?
1: I think that would be great, but but you yeah. know I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna let them deal with it. <laughs>
2: I'm not gonna I think there's like I think there's a lot of uh, Bourbon Tabernacle Bourbon Tabernacle Choir Right at this table There's a lot of demos And bands that haven't come out Or perceived their property Yeah yeah yeah, I can't really
1: remember Too many So Brutal Nights had A CIUT performance That I think was like Kind of interesting Yep That was an awesome show We released under the uh, Politically inappropriate name Yep Radio Come Shake (laughs) (laughs) And
0: so <laughs> Damien has been traveling the world. He's been kind of keeping me updated every so often about the one thing that has basically been his life for the last year, which is your vice magazine. Uh, vice <laughs> wrestling. TV show, yeah,
2: it's called The Wrestlers, and uh, it feels so weird to say that like I'm making a TV show about wrestling. This
0: is your dream job. Yeah, it was
2: kind of like it, and I, I, have been in wrestling my whole life, um, but it wasn't until I started working with mutual friend and one of the greatest zine makers ever from the from toronto glenn salter oh uh, yeah really yeah when i started working with glenn at full blast he would bring in tapes and that's oh, why I, oh, right. Okay, i was right. really hoping you were gonna say glenn was like
1: working yeah on i was so yeah. happy yeah. no no but then when i, I gotta got got bring point. him in <laughs> he's more ta- he's better by the way people like glenn salter are more informed than fucking any of you people getting paid to write oh for yeah. like oh fun, i'm yeah. gonna say advice you know oh, it's like anywhere yeah anywhere but that's life you know
0: yeah that's life in 2017
2: that's life 27? and there used to be outlets for these sort of people that just dive into the minutia. But yeah. now those outlets don't really exist. What in the I'm same saying
1: subculture is being.
2: He didn't. He's got a new zine. I was a teenage metalhead. I saw. I'm it's so excited for that. So awesome. He is the greatest zine maker of all time. But he also he is actually he is. He brought in a lot of these wrestling tapes, and he would and he'd show me stuff, and I kind of started realizing like, oh, I had been fed only McDonald's hamburgers my whole life because So of, what era of wrestling is he feeding you here? Well was, he was feeding me everything. I was watching stuff from the seventies. I was watching stuff from Japan in the nineties. I was watching current day pay-per-views. From, so he was
1: showing you current pay-per-views. He was
2: showing everything.
1: So I had seen but W this is in the when was this? this?
2: Um early two thousands, mid two thousands. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I was getting I was kind of getting, you know, and I had watched during the Attitude Era, but I'm like, ah, oh, there's always something about the product that I was offered, WWE. It's too clean, Sheeny. Exactly. I if love clean, WWF sheenie.
1: attitude. I, I I know you've written some tribute songs to it in your career. I have them on Colored Vinyl. I, lo- I love ECW as well. Oh you yeah. Know, that really- was obviously the thing where we went from like black and white to color,
2: mm-hmm. you know. And I had
1: to, I had to, been exposed to
2: ECW because a mutual friend of ours as well Kai Boisen mm-hmm. was a huge fan and so I you know I knew about ECW but I don't think I'd really watched it watched it like I did when Glenn would bring in these tapes and, yeah. and then it was like Oh, wrestling isn't just McDonald's hamburgers. There's a whole world of hamburgers out there yeah. that are all different. Like some of them aren't even made with beef, but it's all hamburger. It's all hamburgers. But it's but it's like <laughs> but what a world! What a world of yes. amazing hamburgers, yeah. right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think Absolutely. that's the thing is wrestling's like like music is is another form of hamburgers. Yeah. But yeah. we're never well, no, some people are, but for most of us, you realize at a very early age, like, oh, there's all this other variety of music out there. Yeah, I don't really like when I'm being force fed. Yeah, right. But with wrestling, wrestling it's such a monoculture in north america the wrestling uh-huh. pro- not north america sorry america and canada that wrestling
1: product that we get
2: that now 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 yeah yeah that but ever since the consolidation canada you know, yeah.
1: also did though have like a pretty obviously we didn't have ecw which was a big a big mm-hmm. loss but we had you know uh lucha was yep. viewable but uh, we had
0: nw toronto was an nwa hub Back really? when I was into Maple Leaf Wrestling mm-hmm. on Channel 11 mm-hmm. with Billy Red Lions, yeah. it was an NWA, and then sometimes, for some reason, crossed over to AWA yeah. hub. I saw some AWA the, stuff. Yeah, all the NWA wrestlers would, would come to Maple Leaf Gardens and wrestle. And to me, NWA is the in the late 70s and early, and early all the way to the mid-80s, that to me is... M- I think that's the greatest era. It's, a, it's of a pretty amazing
1: cuz Flair was like in full Flair swing, was in full right? Flair, swing, yeah. but he wasn't Dusty. working the
0: uh, Mid-Atlantic no. like uh, but still I would buy all the wrestling magazines and I knew who Flair was and Harley Race and Nick Bockwinkle. and you know oh, and then it. you get WWF on WUTV in Buffalo.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you got WWF You'd and
1: get Saturday night main event. Stupid band.
0: me. Because it was so uh, sheeny and 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 you know uh, glamorous, WWF is what mm-hmm. I wa- wished Toronto to be. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I'm like, man, we had the best. We had NWA.
1: Yeah, well, we were. Well, wasn't the guy. From WWE, like he was the, the Hamilton, was Jimmy, the Valiant, WWF, Jimmy
0: Valiant, Jimmy uh, Valiant feuded here with the Kabuki, the Great Kabuki, and Gary Hart. Who's the British
1: guy? Oh, Jack Tunney. Jack Tunney. They, Jack they, Tunney. Yeah,
2: he was the uh, commissioner for a while, and then the president of <laughs> WWF Canada. They and there was also. Um, Gosh, I can't remember his name now. I'm blanking on it. But he was like the guy. The British who,
1: Lord Alfred No, it's another
2: guy. Uh, like this guy who cards? discovered Edge, and he was like the guy who would recommend like Val Venus, Sean Morley. Oh. Um, and he was Bob, and he was Bret the and Hart's manager. I'm just blanking on his name right now. But he became Jimmy Hart? The Canadian president. No, no, oh, this was a, um, a shoot manager for Bret the and Hart. Oh, okay, okay. But it's, that's what WWE did. And in that 70s and 80s period, or sorry, the 80s period when Vince McMahon Jr took over, yeah. that's where you had rock and wrestling and he aimed it at the kids yeah, and he it, eroded yeah. the fan bases of all these organizations by hitting the kids and telling the kids like, no you want this you don't want that yeah. and it, he, he did a great job and he did that all over the world but, but he was d-
0: lucky he had such a magnetic Wrestler
2: in Hulk Hogan, yeah, he no, was yeah, Hogan. Hogan. so hot because of Rocky Three, yeah, yeah, Piper he had, was killer. Hogan was essential to that working out. Know?
1: He also had Macho Man. He had Macho and, Man. And, uh, 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 he 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 as well. Junkyard Dog, like you know, but it, he would he would know, also
2: touch on with a
0: chain, a, which was kind of mm-hmm. you know. Odd, were the Brainbusters
1: in WWF at a, a time? Yeah, that's oh, where yeah. they came over. It's Arn Anderson. So and when he and he, Tully. you know, it was a good move to bring over guys like that, yep. you know, who who had uh, that pedigree or whatever. And and you know the heart obviously the connection to the hearts is huge and and um, but but it is true that he definitely simplified it and it's hard not to think that you know I really do kind of relate WWF and WWE now to like kind of to Trump you know kind of to like well the, it, it, it's not they seem like they have the same values well, didn't he are you ready for this mm-hmm. are you ready
2: for this mm-hmm. Trump would not be present if it wasn't for his connection to the WWE. Donald Trump and Vince McMahon, their relationship goes back to WrestleMania yeah, like, four and five right, when yeah, he provided them the venues. Exactly. Yeah. But the argument that's been kind of laid out and it's been kind of becoming almost like accepted truth in mm. wrestling circles is that if you look at Donald Trump prior to his appearance at WrestleMania, which was the highest-grossing WrestleMania the ever. The one where he like got a shaped desire or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where that that, that whole build-up to that, that was Donald Trump's Entree to his base Because prior to that he was, he was definitely a celebrity But he was a celebrity That would be written up In Spy Magazine He was a New
1: York celebrity A New York
2: a know, elite celebrity Yeah A celebrity of the elites Yeah And it's, yeah. it was then That he, w- he learned how to deal With hostile crowds Like my friend Kurt Bauer Was a writer then He was like That's when he learned How to deal with a hostile crowd That's when he learned How to cut a promo That's where he learned How to talk yeah. to the people You could almost compare him To,
1: to sort of uh, That makes the rock, perfect sense You know the, the, Like The Rock was a heel and sort of was able to like just switch through just by fan not like i even want to give trump that much credit but a big issue of course is also that like people don't really give him enough credit in terms of his knowledge of how to play people Mm -hmm. like a wrestling wrestler you know and that's definitely one of his his uh skills you know as a as a person is that he knows uh how to cut a promo are you, in, or sort of, I guess, but then you watch the clip of him and he's just mumbling and saying <laughs> words that don't mean anything. If yeah, that's next what the Ultimate Warrior other. did, and it the Ultimate Warrior it. got over. <laughs> like, no, but you guys,
2: you both are familiar with the term kayfabe. Yes, right. This concept in wrestling that what you're saying is isn't the real reality as you know it. But, yes. But it's the reality you want the audience to believe. Yes. That's politics.
1: Yeah, I mean I do agree that I think that that's, that is an inherent issue with like when people are sort of going after the hyperbolic things that Trump always and has always said is that it's – I think his base is sort of viewing that – with Cave Fabe in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. a part of his bases because, and then they're speaking like that, but it creates this horrible heightened world. Yeah. (laughs) That is not what I want to live in. And like,
2: (laughs) You you know, there and there have been you now people are talking about the Rock running for president, but that's not that's <laughs> not, not going to happen. Well, yeah, I think I, it might. Mean, I really do think that but might. Hogan said that too on, a, on talk shows. But things have changed. Uh, now he's at a hundred
1: billion dollars. and, yeah.
2: and no, also no, no, the no, Rock has
0: been going back way back.
2: Like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Things changed since back then. Like remember when Go- Jesse the Body Ventura ran for governor mm-hmm. and everyone was like laughing, but he won. Mm-hmm. There's a reason politicians or sorry wrestlers make such great politicians and find it so easy to transition. Right, and that's right, not right. just in America. Right. Supreme Power Udi in Nigeria, Onita in Japan. There's a bunch of Japanese mm-hmm. guys that have crossed over to hmm. politics. And I think it's just because these are the people with that skills. And I think The Rock, unlike Hogan, The Rock has been meticulous with his past. Like anyone you <laughs> talk to, like you normally, you know, like in anything, like if you talk to some musicians about other people in music, they'll be like, oh, let me tell you about that guy behind yeah. the scenes. The, the, you, know, you hear that about Hogan. You'll hear like, Oh, All sorts fam- of crazy he's stories. Terrible. And but didn't the he Rock
0: get wiped from the WWE he, history. Now, yeah, ever since
2: right. he came out, ever since that sort of racist. Yeah. Oh my God. Of, the ever since that bullshit. racist rant yeah. came out, yeah. he WWE. Yeah.
1: I mean, think about how instrumental you know Hogan is, if not to the Trump ascendancy, although I think there's clearly some sort of link to the this, the removal of Gawker, which would have been this pretty vital thing during the. Time of that that campaign, mm-hmm. I really think it. I mean, g- g- because if you look at it, Gawker was what broke the Rod Ford story. It broke these humongous stories, and it really, really followed them through and proved them to be true. And um, and it was just so tawdry that it also made so many people mad who were like left leaning. So they weren't. They were sad to see it go. Anyway, my point is that you know Hogan kind of totally sucks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And but, I think
2: The Rock has never fucked up like that. Like right. you talk. Kevin Drew, who was a PA for the WWF back in the early 2000s, has a story about, like, running down the hall, crashing into The Rock and getting screamed at by a PA, but then The Rock being like, cool it to the PA, helping Kevin up, being like, are you okay, man? Like, he was... That happened? Yeah. Like, back when (laughs) Kevin was, like, 19 or 20, working as a PA on these WWE commercials, WWF commercials at the time, I guess. Yeah. But like but he was that guy back then. He's Rock been also a, comes from like a wrestling, a wrestling dynasty. dynasty. Yeah. yeah. And, and and you know, I think so the, he kind and, knows... and his dad was a fuck up from the story. So he really? didn't want to be I like his dad. Rocky Johnson. Ew.
0: And Tony Alice, that they're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. <laughs> Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. Amazing. And The Rock also Rocky Johnson was amazing. Oh, the Rock's dad was One. an amazing. I, mean, I don't want to
1: speak like that he's an unimpeachable person, but 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 you know, I, I did I do think the reason people loved first of all hating The Rock and then loving The Rock was because he was clearly putting so much effort into into being funny and also to being a great wrestler. And uh he was really relishing it. And, and that enthusiasm just really was was contagious and then and he was just having so much fun with the crowd and including them like it was it was uh, that was the the weird thing about the attitude era was that it was uh, it, it there were some people who became very very good with massive crowds like yep. it, it was it was stone cold was really great with crowds and the rock was great with crowds and actually kurt angle got really good kurt was <laughs> and uh you know, Mick Foley uh, was quite good with uh, you know in terms of promos oh, and all that stuff, and, and so my
0: my favorite promos I've seen those guys cut promos I think they're great, but the my three favorite promo guys are Piper, Dusty Rhodes, and Ric Flair. Yeah, well, yeah. That,
1: that's pretty ultimate list. You know, I, you, you can't really. I like Terry Funk. I like Terry yeah. Funk cried. I think that's <laughs> yeah. like you know, and that's
2: huge influence on Onita, who yeah. would go on to start FMW in Japan. Oh, because
0: Terry Funk went to
2: Japan. Well, right? he definitely went to Japan, but actually Onita did this crazy... Onita to me, is one of the most important people in wrestling. Because without Onita, there would be no FMW. And then it's arguable if there would be an ECW without FMW. Right. Hmm. And without ECW, it's arguable whether or not you'd have Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Without, attitude might have never happened. And attitude might never happen. We might not have seen The Rock. He might you might have still really been... really
1: just had Bischoff, like, might have reigned supreme. Because he yeah. was strangely... You know, WCW was kind of... You know, had that NWA continuation Mm -hmm.
2: thing that was Mm. the nwo had come in by that point (laughs) he was like influenced by that's what also taken from japanese wrestling that he saw Mm. like this invasion angle and was like this could work in america but onita was this guy uh his father died when he was a teenager um so he went to giant baba who's one of the godfathers of japanese wrestling who had just started all japan pro wrestling breaking away from japanese professional wrestling um and he started his own promotion and Onita was his first student. And so he trained Onita and then Onita got sent to, you know, North America to have a tour to like wrestle all these different promotions and learn different skills. It's something they do in Japanese pro wrestling and that's one of the reasons Japanese pro wrestling is kind of a cut above any other wrestling on earth is uh, because hmm. you know it's it's one thing for you to train there and to learn their system but it's another thing for you to actually go around the world and get experience working with different crowds yeah, and that's that still ha- amazing it still happens this day we were shooting in Nunavik, uh, in northern northern part of what's known as canada Nunavik, and there was kaito Kiyomio, who's a kiyomiya who's a japanese pro wrestler from noah and that was his first time ever leaving Japan. They sent him, to,
0: they set him <laughs> the to, to the CWF oh my God. out of Niagara
2: who does these tours around you know, northern Canada. The wrestling Nineveh, Nineveh. Nineveh.
1: That must be so popular. It's, so po- it's the only thing that comes to town in yeah. most of these communities. So yeah. you're dealing
2: with communities of 500 people, 600 people. They all go. All the kids go. Cool. Every kid goes, and it's it means a lot. Yeah, and there's indigenous people wrestling on it, and it means a lot That's to, to see that. That's pretty cool. Uh, but this guy Kaito, this is what he was doing. He had been he's a star in Japan, an up and coming star, one of the Noah's big prospects. They think someone who's going to be a huge huge guy for them, so they shipped him to Canada to wrestle in these tiny communities Uh in front of these kids that have no experience with Japanese pro wrestling, and he has to learn how to get over in front of that crowd. So the same thing happened to this guy, Onita back in the day, and he refused to give up a belt in Puerto Rico, and five wrestlers beat the shit out of him. like Destroyed him. uh, And he went to Terry Funk's ranch to, uh, to recover. And that's where he learned from Terry. Terry made him go around the ranch and set up barbed wire fences. and Like Karate Kid. Like Karate Kid Hmm. style. But through that, he saw Terry Funk and took a lot from what Terry Funk did. And then he went to um, Memphis and saw what was happening in Memphis and took that. So he goes back to Japan, becomes a junior heavyweight star, but then breaks his leg leaving the ring awkwardly, like doing some over-the-top rope kind of exit type thing. Mm. Just a a matter-of-course type thing. Breaks his leg is forced into retirement by Giant Baba. And so he just kind of conceives this wrestling company that becomes FMW. But it's all through just this traveling around and sort of seeing the world. And it's really then through that kind of story that you see that wrestling is this kind of global thing. Right. And you can take a wrestler from Japan and put them in a ring with a wrestler from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them speaking the same language, never really having met just before their match and they'll be able to kind of through the language of wrestling communicate enough to do a match they'll do a match and they'll entertain the crowd and they'll convince the crowd on some level that what they're doing is more right. quote unquote
1: real than they're actually doing it so um this was the kind of thing you were learning as far back as Glenn, from gl- Glenn. yeah I've yeah. seen Glenn.
2: Glenn would bring these tapes and so I'd see Mexican wrestling I'd see Japanese wrestling and mm-hmm. I'd see these guys interacting and I'd be like Oh, wait, Hulk Hogan wrestled in Japan against this guy I've never heard of? Mm -hmm. And there's a stadium of 20,000 people there to see it, and Hulk Hogan's bleeding from the head? Yeah, Like, this is amazing. How did I not know this existed? And that's when I kind of, I guess, fell in love with wrestling. Vice was like, we want to do these cannabis documentaries. I'm like, yep. I'm like, but there's this deathmatch wrestling tournament that happens every year in Delaware, mm-hmm. that we should really go film. And there's a guy getting out of prison this year named Nick Gage,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's he's suffered injuries in these deathmatch tournaments, got addicted to opiates because of it,
1: mm.
2: uh, recovered from his addiction, and he's immediately getting out of prison and going back to wrestle for this organization and do one of these tournaments of death.
0: And you covered it in this upcoming show.
2: No, Vice was like, no, we don't want to do it. <laughs> oh <laughs> so shit! It, it took five years for them eventually to be like, okay. Here's a little bit of money. And I hooked up with this amazing director who's done a lot of incredible stuff for Vice, Shawnee Cohen. Mm -hmm. And we went down there to Delaware and filmed this documentary about this deathmatch wrestling tournament. And that's where that guy gets the Kenzan, the Japanese spiked disc that's used for flower arrangements. He gets it hammered into his head. Oh, fuck, man. And so it ends up looking like a silly hat for the rest of the match because (laughs) you kind of forget what it is that's stuck Mm. in his head. But then backstage afterwards to take it out, they need pliers, they need five people providing alternate weights to, you know, alternate pressures and stuff.
0: That's insane.
2: So I saw that, and and that documentary did pretty well for Vice when Mm -hmm. we came back. And they were like, what would a TV show look like about wrestling? And so came up with this concept about what a TV show would look like. And once again, lucked out, got hooked up with two incredible directors out of Vancouver. And Jeff and Nathan kind of, you know, not being wrestling fans, like wrestling fans as they were kids, but like got on board really quick and realized, you know, this is a serious world and we got to treat it with respect. So their curiosity was very strong. Very strong, which is lucky because unlike music, like you fuck up backstage at a wrestling show, they will beat the shit out of you. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Like, What
1: do you you mean if you fuck up? Like... Fuck
0: up in the match, like no, no. not even
2: not, not even a in the match. I like, think if you're like there as an outsider, and you fuck up in the backstage, like you start filming a luchador with his mask off. Oh shit! That, right, if you're a person with a
1: if, with if a you're with a camera, person, yeah.
2: yeah, just a lay person with you, a camera. It's it's you're not allowed back there as a layperson. Right, right, like it's right. it's it's like music in a lot of ways, right. but it's very different than at least the music I came from. Because in the music I came from, and we we all came from, it's all about hey you you and the crowd you can do this too. Why don't you start a band and get on stage right, and be yeah, just like us? Right.
1: Turns out not everybody had that mentality. No,
2: <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but in, in wrestling in wrestling it's the opposite. Yeah, it's like hey you and the crowd. Don't do what we do. Yeah. It's too dangerous. You couldn't handle what we do.
1: Right. It's well, almost like you keep telling people don't do this to really weed out who wants to do it.
2: And and it's also yeah. just to make sure that no one
1: jumps off of the people,
2: roof. Are, also people don't stop believing. No. You know, like you need them you can't reveal the tricks. Like it's as mm-hmm. much as it's yeah. it's like a stunt show with no second takes, no wire work, uh no stunt people. Yeah. And it's also like a magic show. I mean, I was to say, it's doing. like
0: a magic show with, like, real tricks. Where did you go? Uh, we went to... Crazy
2: places, right? Mexico, Nunavik, yeah. Japan, twice, Mexico twice, Mexico three times. Um, Bolivia, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, wow. and then just different parts of America. Basically That's not crazy. Madison Square Gardens.
1: No. That's amazing. No. Yeah. But... Did you get some downtime? I would get like
2: traveling for this is so much different than traveling in a band. Like you feel like you're actually grounded somewhere. Right. Like you have yeah. a hotel. You have a hotel, and for someone who has an anxiety disorder, um, which I think a lot of lead singers have, maybe semblances of maybe too, you know could
1: be. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> just,
2: I'm very public about it's mine. It's possible but, that <laughs> all three people, have <laughs> this. but but po- the, which is funny because the least <laughs> conducive. Environment to try and uh, deal with your anxiety is a, an environment where you're traveling every day. You don't know what your next situation is going to be like. Yeah, you're, you're that's alone low with your thoughts. What kind of person would want to hear two strangers that they don't know talk? Right. It's the type of person that's in a dead silent fucking van, sure, with nothing left to say with the other people they're yeah. in the van with. Like that's yeah. why I fell in love with these wrestling podcasts. And I think it was.
1: What are your favorite wrestling podcasts?
2: Live audio wrestling. Okay. Uh, is that Dan? Uh, well, rest in peace, live audio wrestling. Now it's post wrestling. But ooh, it was Dan. Loves, yeah, Dan Levinsky. Dan LeMeth my, my, I don't agree with the politics of this show at all and mm. the language on it. But is you like Daily Shower. Or...
1: Which, no. You're a big fan of the right stuff. <laughs> no,
2: no. Keep it 100 with Conan and Disco Inferno. The biggest influence on me as far as why I started my podcast is The Art of Wrestling by Cole Cabana. Oh yeah, oh. that's off. that's You'd like such that a huge before. podcast. Yeah, huge
1: yeah. podcast, and that's like his
2: job. Now? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's his full time job. Wow. He was one of the first too. I would say that he certainly he's the first wrestling podcast, but I would put him in that original
1: timing you know, of twenty yeah.
2: podcast that kind of like really took off and started kind of. Mm.
1: And they played a Teen Crud combo song on it. Thanks to you, I yeah.
2: appreciate that. Yeah, that's nice. They played
1: our wrestling song.
2: Yeah, I wanted. I've actually requested. Uh, <laughs> that's been a long time That I requested that song Before it eventually got played Every time I talked to Colt I'd be like Oh yeah For the song of the week uh, Suck It by Teen Crunk Combo and He's like Okay Every week And then I got him to play Bad Skater by Five Knuckle Chuckle Oh no by, <laughs> Bob Backlund by Five Knuckle Chuckle Cool Oh wow Yeah by No Offense When they were so called No Offense But I was like Wow that where, is." Where are they in the reissueable? I Charlie Horse I would love to see a reissue of Which is their first record um, I would Maryland's, love that. On where's vinyl.
1: Maryland's? On I would the, love to
2: see Maryland's a Maryland's vitamins, vitamins thing on vinyl, like they have those two seven inches that uh, Simon Harvey put out. Um, but yeah, like I love Colts podcast. I love any any sort of like Jericho. I listen to Jericho, Stone Cold.
1: I listen to Stone Cold. Yeah, I mean, the problem is at some point. Be, you know, the podcast just becomes a uh, part of the, a work, you yeah. know, like, like this sort of shtick stuff. Piper had a podcast. Piper did have a podcast.
2: And also, yeah. another great one is Bruce Pritchard's podcast, Dude Do- oh, Love. Brother Love? Brother Love, sorry. Yeah. Do love.
0: Oh, cool. I brother didn't love. know
2: he had a one. You got to hear that one. It's probably the most popular wrestling podcast. Is he in wrestling podcast. No, he no. It? It's oh, him and this guy, Conrad Thompson, who did Rick Flair's <laughs>
1: Wouldn't that be crazy if it was <laughs> okay, like a yeah. brother love <laughs> Who did Ric Flair's
2: podcast? And they'll just pick one topic. Uh huh. Um, like they'll oh, do The good. Edge. And they'll do a five-hour podcast on Edge where they'll mm-hmm. go through the entire career. And because Bruce Pritchard, in addition to being Brother Love, was Vince McMahon's right-hand man, yeah. he gives you a lot of cool right. insights.
0: I used to listen to Ric Flair's and... Rowdy Roddy Piper's podcast.
2: So and then I do you know Conrad Thompson? Yeah, yeah, so I
0: know who you're talking about. The yeah. co-host for
1: Ric Flair.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Ric Flair wrapped his up, and then Piper passed away. And, yeah. and
1: also uh, Cornette has one too. right Jim Cornette has one. Yeah. Jim Cornette. That'd be interesting.
2: It's interesting. He, I've never listened to someone that I agree with more. But on yeah, he'd
1: be put. Yeah, seventy five percent of the going.
2: political stuff he talks about. Like he's almost like like a like a shock jock. Yeah. But for the Democrats, really, like the way he talks about
1: Cornette, yeah, yeah. He's,
0: so, he's so hyperbolic. He was such a heel, though. Yeah, he's super. Think. He was super. a great
1: heel. He was one of the great heel managers at the time. I think so too. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, but then he's
2: got, you know, then he talks about wrestling, and I'm like, uh, not so hot. Or, yeah, why is that? Because he really thinks that wrestling should go back to what it was. And it's like trying to say music should go back to what it was. It's like what was it before? What What do you mean? Like where everyone thought it was real? Sh- yeah, well, he's he he talks about it like everyone always was just like it's real, and then someone flicked the switch, and they're like, oh, it's not. You know, it's like no. There are people the whole way through that didn't buy it a hundred percent. And oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, I just think.
2: And he thinks it's too flippy now and too exciting and too much like a video game. But the reality is, the people that are consuming it now yeah, are it people goes. that were raised on but video games.
1: ECW was so awesome because it was such a great mixture of so many different styles, and you would have those like insane Mike Awesome uh, Tanaka ma- matches. Yes, and 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 at the same time, you would have. I mean, I went to. I think I only went to one ECW event. It was November to Remember '99 or 2000, and so I saw uh, Tanaka, awesome, and I saw a New Jack yeah. <laughs> match where there, the crowd. He never got to the ring. He came out and Natural Born Killers starts playing the whole time through yeah. the match, and he was fighting. No, it wasn't against, It wasn't a, the Balls Mahoney one. It was. It was against someone similar. And he was just chasing the guy around this basketball arena uh, in Buffalo. And the crowd was literally following them <laughs> through the, the the arena. It was incredible. And eventually he jumped on top of a regulation-sized basketball.
0: Um... <laughs> Damien, the specifics
2: on your wrestling TV show. Uh, it's called The Wrestlers and it's coming out, I think, in April. We don't know for sure. Um, well, they probably know at Vice, but not me. Uh, and it's going to be on Viceland I think all over the place right away. I think it's going to be right. everywhere.
0: Cool. And Whoa. look, I'm privy to some of the things that are going to be on the show, because Damien's told me. And I just want everyone to know that some of the shit Damien's told me is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like on an absurd level. <laughs> wow. With some of the people that were he was in the same room with, not even from the wrestling world.
1: I've actually heard some crazy things about wrestling, maybe in Japan, but I've heard a lot of things about like uh, in ring kind of like sodomy, sodomizations done and like. Well,
2: like, are you talking like shit, <laughs> like like ribbing stuff? Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, see, that, I'm sure this. that's happened, definitely. Yeah. But like in.
1: My friend Mike, you know, told me about seeing
2: that. One wrestler we covered is this wrestler out of japan uhhuh uh, Dan chacodino
1: uh-huh
2: uh, Dan Chaccodino is introduced to the audience the every time, time as an aggressive uh, aggressive gay man. That's what the announcers are oh, really that's his character that's his character, but when you talk to him, he identifies himself as a gay wrestler, so right. a lot of people have been like, "Oh, he's not actually gay, he's making fun of gay people right uh some people have been like, "No, he is gay. he never ever. Ever drops that he's a gay wrestler. So as far as he presents himself, he is a gay wrestler. What he does in the ring could be considered incredibly offensive. But if he's a gay but man choosing gay. to represent himself that way. Right. You know, so it's it's really a complicated Ooh, guy to look tough. into. Very tricky. Yeah, we, that we, is we, tricky. we don't really uh, we're not <laughs> able to come to any conclusions Yikes. in this show. But yeah. he is a fascinating wrestler and he's become. A bit of a viral sensation because he was the receiver of the infamous Joey Ryan dick flip, which has become a widely circulated clip on Facebook and on Tosh.0 type shows where this wrestler Joey Ryan has a super-powered penis that he can use to flip his opponents.
0: Oh, I've seen that
2: clip. Yeah, yeah. and the first guy to ever take it was Dan Shakadino. Ah, I've actually seen that on someone's Facebook (laughs) feed or something like that. Or Twitter. To make it more complicated, the audience that goes to see him wrestle is uh, for this organization called DDT, Dramatic Dream Team Wrestling. The audience is around 70% women for these shows. What? Yeah. And it's not... And it's women like office women, office workers, right? right?
0: How do you even get that demographic into a wrestling...
2: Wrestling in Japan. Oh, Japan. Yeah, Oh, I see, I see. Wrestling in Japan has different organizations, and different organizations have cater super specifically to their fan base. Right. So DDT, it's a lot of very attractive men um, who are really ripped. Mm -hmm. But there's also this thing in... Uh, I guess like a cultural uh, a Narrative motif mm. In Japan called yaoi
1: Is that the comic book thing too? It's in manga, yeah, it's in yeah. anime And I yaoi is about.
2: is boy love Is what it translates okay. to And it's erotica <laughs> Targeted towards straight women mm-hmm. That deals with gay men yeah. really? Falling in love And wow. unrequited love a lot of times Or forbidden love is, is reoccurring themes And when you watch DDT, you're like, oh, they play on this. Like that's one of the motifs they kind of use. Interesting. And and they also use Japanese ghost story motifs. They use a lot of stuff. Kionishi's. Yeah. Well, like I didn't really understand until I got there, and started, you know, hearing about these other larger cultural things that exist in Japan. Yeah. And then when I was watching this wrestling, I'm like, okay, well, this makes a lot more sense in a Japanese context. I'm not saying it's not still offensive to people watching it.
1: uh, How does it compare to? What's his name? The one, the guy who died in the in the eighties. Um, you know, uh, Gorgeous George. No, 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 no. Uh, what? The other guy who was like Italian looking and sort of he 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 almost had a Dino Bravo vibe, but he wore like makeup and stole. Oh,
0: Adrian. Uh, Adrian Adonis. Adrian Adonis. Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it's. Oh, that's right. But there's yeah. a few of those kind, kinds kinds yeah. of guys he, in the eighties. He. 80s. he um, Dusty Rhodes is borderline like that.
2: Exotic Adrian Street. Yeah. yeah. And there's, and there's you know, the way he presents himself, though, is he's just like a... He describes himself as a bear. Um, so he'll just come out to the ring. He's kind of portly. He's yeah. certainly not... Because the other big thing in Japanese wrestling, especially in DDT, are these sort of ripped super sports Adonises right. that can yeah. have these 45-minute long yeah. crazy matches. Yeah. And that's in DDT, too. Uh-huh. But he's was like, no, I realized that my niche is to be a gay wrestler, to be a bear wrestler. And right. that's what I do. And so he he doesn't wear makeup. He never like presents himself in drag or anything like that. He's just presented himself as an, a gay wrestler. Right. So it's slightly more respectful than some of the past wrestling gimmicks in that regard. Mm-hmm. But the sexual violence, because it's simulated rape sometimes in the yes. ring that he's doing to guys... Uh, that's offensive. So it's it's this very complicated... <laughs> Pretty oh, super... amazing that it has gone that far. Well, in Mexico, there's exoticos. And exoticos was originally a type of wrestler that they would use to make fun of gay men or men with effeminate traits. Uh-huh. And it would be a wrestler who would be very over-the-top flamboyant in how they would present themselves, present themselves as gay. Normally, they would have been a straight man around the late 70s in the 80s and throughout the 90s that space was fought for and kind of taken over by gay men that want by wanted, actual gay, gay men right. that wanted in to, wrestling. Yeah. Wow. And then not to say that there weren't gay men wrestling pri- prior to that and in different areas of wrestling or yeah. even as exóticos, but they wouldn't present themselves as gay outside of the ring mm-hmm. or they would present themselves right. as gay to a closed off circuit yeah. of friends. But these wrestlers were like, no, I'm gay. I like, want to be totally gay. Out and, I'm yeah, going to present so, myself as gay. Right. And it's Pimpinella, uh, Cassandra, Pimpinella, Pimpinella, uh, <laughs> Pimpy, Pimpinella. <laughs> uh, Pimpinella is incredible. Pimpinella, Escarlata, and Povo Estrella and Cassandra. Like these, these, Cassandro. these men fought and got space uh-huh. as exoticos. Wow. But now they're we're at a point where people are like, well, is this still good. Because it's kind of, well, first of all, it's, it's ghettoizing wrestlers. Like if you're a gay wrestler, you wrestle as an exotico if you're out. Oh, I see. Um And also, a lot of what they do in the ring comes from a fear of homosexuality, right? Oh, like it's, right, right. you know, and it, and well, it h- comes
1: close to the force violation thing that's discussed in the other one. Yeah, like it's right. like a lot of forced yeah.
2: kissing of an opponent, yeah. a lot of wow. ass grab and things like that. And to even complicate it even further, there's a new wrestler named Estrella Davina. And she's six foot four, gorgeous. incredible. Yeah, she. An incredibly gifted wrestler. She's the first Exotico signed to a major company because she's forced to wrestle in Exotico. They won't let her wrestle as an luchadora who's transitioned. So she transitioned uh, a few years ago, and they still force her. She's forced to dress with the men. More problems. She's assaulted by the men while she gets dressed. She's not allowed to dress with the women. And she's kind of relegated to wrestle as an exotico because that's what she's viewed as by the wrestling company. She's not an exotico. She's a luchadora. But this is where she has to have her space. But this is also the only place where she's ever felt comfortable you know, in this ring. And this is where she feels powerful is by being in this ring. And this is what she's always wanted to do. So she's happy to wrestle anywhere she can. Would she prefer to be a luchadora or be called a luchadora? Absolutely. But if she can only be an exotico, she will be an exotico as long as she can wrestle so in the that,
0: ring. So that would be, I mean, it's just begging for a season two. We we've... did. it.
2: No, well, that's episode three of this oh, season. Oh,
1: shit. Okay. So All you right. have... Two seasons wow. already in the kids. We have
2: ten episodes done awesome. okay. for the one season. It's one season. Okay. So it's looking at, yeah, Exotico. So the first episode is is about wrestlers that live. This isn't the order they're going to be aired in, but there's one episode about wrestlers that live uh, along the Mexican-American border uh-huh. and just how their lives have changed in recent years with the retreat of narco-violence.
1: Mm,
2: but right. this sort of counter-effect of... The Trump administration and immigration reform looming over them and how that sort of talk, that rhetoric is having real ramifications already for some of these wrestlers Mm. and the economics of lucha libre. Like if you're a Mexican wrestler, you really don't make money. real money till you come to America. Mm. Right. But you can make enough money that you could support your whole family. And when you're talking about people that are coming out of complete poverty, yeah. right. it's, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, there's an episode in America where we go along the East Coast and kind of talk about independent wrestling cool. in America. Then there's the one with dealing with Exoticos in Mexico, mm-hmm. one in Nunavik looking at uh, a wrestling organization, C- CWF, right. that goes to different indigenous First Nations communities, all in Nunavik and northern Quebec. Wow. And uh, then there's the one in Bolivia about the fighting cholitas, um, which is awesome too. A lot that of cool. That sounds cool. Japan, two in Japan about one about DDT that organization. One about. Well, I have a Joshi.
1: This is going to be a good. Uh, yeah, good it sounds series, awesome. I, I, I'm really.
2: Duh. I lucked out. I really lucked out. Yeah, I'm with two amazing filmmakers that got it real quickly. And watching it now, I'm like they captured what I experienced. Like wow. how. Like, when I go back through my memories of what I was
1: there for, yeah, uh, most of it's there. Like, I mean, it, 99% of it's on It sounds like the it's episode. almost like those noisy episodes about Atlanta or uh, Bompton and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just wrestling. It's like, you know.
2: Well, we're in a really cool period for wrestling. Like, this is the period rock and roll was in. Just prior to Nirvana exploding, or film was in just before Reservoir. So are in Dogs. the
1: 1989 of wrestling? Yeah,
2: definitely. Like okay. wrestling's about to. Cool. We're witnessing a transformation where wrestling's going from a sport
1: mm-hmm.
2: to an art form. Um, sure. And, I, and obviously, it's always been a sport and an art form, uh-huh. but I think people's perceptions of it right. is they can't get over the fact yeah. that it, even though we've already established everything's fake, but people can't get over the fact that wrestling isn't a quote unquote real sport. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's the most athletic art form on earth. Like these guys are doing art, but there's real risk. Like I've seen five people that we've been filming with. Two people we filmed with have died. Oh Oh. my! Since we started filming a year ago, Uh, and three three people we have lost their career. Wow! Because of in ring injuries. Wow! So it's brutal. It is real.
1: That you know that if anything, that's the one thing that kind of like keeps me away from wrestling a bit is just like the pain aspect. It just feels like.
0: Yeah, it's too real it's now. It's too real. Even know? though it's... As this, like Mike they, Awesome,
1: the story of Mike Awesome like breaks my heart, you know? and like, Or, or Benoit, obviously. I mean, that was kind of like the breaking point for me with wrestling. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah. I love, I love any time that I can come back to the Black Coffee Brigade. Uh, and sit down and have a chat because yeah. you are two of my favorite people to get to talk to. I love talking to two me. of the only non-assholes in the music industry. <laughs>
1: Apparently so. <laughs> so I love that I'm not in the music industry. Uh, <laughs>
2: pretty much. You can't you can't deny the fact that you are in one of the most legendary bands this shitberg that Rob Ford reigned over as King ever and that, produced. And that was. Killer combo. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I, I love Killer Elite and I love Brutal Knights, but Teen Crude combo. Teen Crude combo is well, a I mean, great look, band.
1: You two guys have contributed so much to the Toronto scene, and you had a band that basically became a, uh, went from punk band to sort of like. Mural, like musical mural. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're mural, mural know, rock now. And, 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 that's a great term. That's pretty cool. And, I, just, I understand you know what that what I'm means, saying. Though.
2: Yeah. Alright. Uh, Alright, well, the those, those are the first calls to uh, angry calls about the beasts we started.
1: Alright. Well, um, it's been really right. great talking to you here uninterruptedly.
2: Damien, thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me.